I think the goal for most people, if a, you know, from artist to artist, is that you really just need to start developing an understanding for yourself, so that you can start understanding why you're being called to create. How you do anything is how you do everything. So how I create and how I execute tells you a lot about who I am as a person without meeting me. But I'm still giving them a piece of who I am. Rain Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the award-nominated podcast, Unleash Your Supernova. I'm Nova Rain, your host, and I'm excited to bring you another show where storytelling comes to you at its best. I'm going to be introducing you to creatives that are not only doing what they love, but they're also changing the world all through their stories. You'll be able to learn mindful, holistic tips and hacks for how to grow not only in your business, but also in your life. We'll learn from these wonderful creatives from around the globe and how they've unleashed their superpowers as they share their wisdom. I am here with a very special guest, Jay, the unsigned artist. Hi, Jay. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, and I'm so used to seeing your your brand name, the unsigned artist. I know that that is not your full name. Would you like to share your full name with our audience? Uh, yes, my full name is Jay Bonadio. And ironically enough, on our conversation, you and I spoke, I decided to stop using the unsigned artist. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I can't wait to get into that. Oh, I yeah. love it. Okay, so we're going to do a quick bio read on Jay. So all our listeners, both our new listeners and our return listeners get to get a little peek into what brought you up to this point. Jay Bonadio Jr. is an Orlando native and is it Jay Bon? Is that a nickname or? Yeah. Yeah. So my name is Jay, um, spelled J-A-Y. Last name is Bonadio. Since high school, my friends have all just nicknamed me Jay Bon. So that's okay. kind of what, what I've gone by. <laughs> And then the unsigned artist was a a small chapter in my life, you know, as an internet persona. So Instagram, social media, the unsigned artist was kind of just like this representation of the artist lifestyle of being unsigned. So yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, I'll just continue the bio and I can't wait to get more into the the old name, the persona and the new name. Um, So Orlando native Jay Bon has shaken up the art scene for over a decade while continuously evolving and perfecting his craft. Beginning as a silkscreen artist at the age of 15, Jay has since harnessed his talents to perfect an original neo-mosaic shattered glass concept of collections that he continues to create today. The use of shattered glass is unparalleled. It not only brings further depth to his style, but it has enabled him to spearhead his way into creating large structural installations, specialized interiors, and more recently to combine his passion for art and his love for bonsai. He has caught the attention of those in and out of the art world. His work can be seen in galleries up for auction, commissioned or elevating the style of various businesses, hotels, and even the streets of Central Florida. So that's J-Bon for our listeners. And (laughs) I, I can't wait to hear about the change in your name and just to give our listeners a little backstory so jay and i met 
ooh, I don't know, a couple months ago uh, by phone. So we haven't met in person yet, but through a mutual friend. And we had so many synergies. He's an artist. I'm an artist. Two different kinds of artistry, but uh, we both can relate in our fields of creativity. And we were just sharing our projects and advice for one another. And when he had mentioned his brand name, The Unsigned Artist, I had given him some advice on just think about that a little bit because if you want that to change you may want to change the name because there's so much power and energy in the words that we use so i'm just going to leave it there and i'm going to park that there because what i want to go into right now and then you can weave this in if you'd like is what is the why in why you do and what you do and why you do the art that you do and the reason why I want to tackle this it's the beginning of the conversation because I, I think it's so important for us to see what navigates you know our our decisions the North Star that we're going after and sometimes it may not be for the right reasons and or when we discover and take time to reflect on our why we may be inspired to do even greater things or things that may make us even more happy or joyous so i want to start there and i want you to definitely at some point touch on what i was just mentioning about our conversation and how you had mentioned earlier in the intro that you're no longer using the unsigned artist but let's start with your why it's something that i opened my book with unleash your supernova and i think it's so important for our listeners to also hear and be inspired by your story as well absolutely yeah thank you um so i've always been a very creative no matter the age you know my mom had always told me very young i was the type to take things apart just to see how they work and um, I attended Flagler College, which is a very artistic college. It's a private school and um, it's located in St. Augustine, Florida. And it's just surrounded by a ton of history and a ton of just very unique styles. And I just feel through going to school at, at Flagler, I was able to break open this side of me that I didn't really know existed. I've always had a really tough time with school. I'm actually very dyslexic so I have a tough time and I and I struggle when it comes to just trying to learn new things but when it comes to creating and developing concepts that comes incredibly natural for me and so going to school and going to college like really opened that side of me and so very grateful for that experience because I started in the silk screening very young and um, so I was able to explore that a lot more in college when I was in my dorm room I um, started drawing quite a bit and a lot of people were like hey you know you should put that on a t-shirt and so i introduced myself to a, a large company that was doing silk screening on clothing and so it kind of that's where the story started was my art started going on to graphic designs like men's graphic tees and by the time i had graduated college i had already started this clothing business it was called j bond clothing at the time and so I was able to expand into over 300 stores across the world by the time I had graduated college. So all of this had started in my dorm room and had no clue that's where I was going when I decided to go to college, but uh, it made me realize I didn't want to push paper. I, I wanted to leave college with 
the ability to own my own business and work for myself. So when I did graduate, immediately I purchased a silk screening company in my hometown of Rockledge, Florida, which is on the coastline of Cocoa Beach. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so my family still lives there. Um, I currently now live in Central Florida, which is Orlando. It's about 40 minute drive. Mm-hmm. But uh, I acquired a company with the money that I had made through my dorm. My mother has always been my rock. She is very supportive and really understood that this was a path for me and working for myself was very natural. And so mm-hmm. she kind of jumped on board and helped me with the guidance. She's very business oriented, my stepfather as well. So I owe them a lot to helping me turn my artistry into a, a business format. I think that's where a lot of artists get a little frustrated or caught up because trying to juggle both is not easy. And in business for artists can be distracting. You know, we we enjoy creating and that's what we want to do. So that's right. Uh, for about seven or eight years, that was my life um, doing men's streetwear. And I decided, you know, not only with the change of what men's clothing and graphic tees were doing, it, it just wasn't fulfilling me the way that I wanted to create. So I started silk screening on much larger formats of canvas, like very large oversized silk screens. I started becoming heavily inspired by Andy Warhol and just started going into that realm of the silk screening science and how it could become art. Yeah, that's when my life kind of changed in, the, in that direction. So it was a, a learning process to get to that point. Over time, People started to hire me to create work and I had just dabbled in so many different mediums, so many different textures. I had been getting paid along the way to practice my artistry and I started to really see that I can make a living off bringing other people's dreams to life, bringing other people's visions to fruition and I wanted to play that part and my why became inspiring other people to find their passion because once I found that this was my path and once I found that this was my passion I realized how valuable that is in life for me and what it does and and how I'm able to make a living off that and it's not monetary value it's not you know items I'm very fulfilled in what I do and I feel like my purpose as an artist is to inspire people to find that same path them. So I, I want to I want to definitely dive a little deeper and I want to just go back to there were so many really great nuggets of info that you shared from your college days and then where you are now up to where you are now and sure. wanting to inspire other artists and individuals around pursuing their passions and bringing their dreams to life. But you had mentioned Rockledge. I haven't heard Rockledge mentioned in a while. And I actually remember once upon a time, like house hunting in Rockledge and being obsessed with that really, really quaint area in Florida and literally, which is like off my radar. And here you are bringing it up. And I was like, It's a really, it's a really beautiful small town. My stepfather, you know, my dad is actually the mayor of Rockledge and has been for many years. So I've seen him take it and build it and grow it. And, you know, he is an artist in his own, in his own form. He's a builder, he's a contractor, and he builds large condominiums, 
you know, big homes. So when I graduated high school, I was actually very into architecture and that's why I went to, to college was I actually thought I wanted to not follow in his footsteps, but I was just very good at building blueprints and I really enjoyed, I think just creating foundations and like building all these things. And really that's what cracked open that artistic side of me. But yeah, Rockledge holds a very special place in my heart. It's a, it's a very good place to go home to. Mm, I love that. And then also you had shared that you were a successful business owner, entrepreneur in college. How did you balance your courses with a growing business? Like going from zero to 300 stores is not an easy feat. And I used to sell apparel into boutiques and I used to own a boutique. So I understand how much work goes into that, especially as the product provider. And so can you share a little bit more about that that snippet of your life? You kind of just sure. glossed over it like, oh yeah, and I grew to 300 and then <laughs> I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Well, and it is, uh, it is very funny to look back at that. And you know, I really appreciate these questions because it almost humbles me to realize just how far I've come and, and where I've gotten to and these hurdles and endeavors you have to inquire to, to get to these like new levels of creating. Um, but it did all start, you know, in a closet and St. Augustine has a plethora of stores, boutiques, surf shops. So I started grassroots. I went door knocking. I wanted to get into every surf store, every small boutique. I was very inspired by other local brands. So I just, I have a very strong urge for, I don't want to say competition against other people, but when I see people doing great things, mm -hmm. it makes me want to achieve that as well. And that, and that uh, I'm actually more inspired by musicians, to be honest. Like when I see a musician or a chef, you know, something about that really draws me to want to be a better artist. And, yeah. and it's, and I think it's because I just, I see the power and what it, what it can do for your process. Right. And so when I sit back and I like to surround myself with other types of artistry that isn't in direct competition with mine. And, for, and that inspires me without feeling like I'm duplicating. Mm -hmm. And it also makes me feel like I can inspire people without being copied, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And you also had shared that you went to Flagler. Very mm -hmm. familiar with Flagler. I absolutely love St. Augustine and its rich history. And my family and I had an annual trip to St. Augustine. So I remember it was my excuse to just go back. <laughs> yeah. And it's a wonderful, wonderful place. I, I think it's great to hear how you were able to not only take advantage of such a rich education as it relates to art, art and creativity, but then you were also able to tap into that local uh, merchant community marketplace that's there and use it to your advantage. And so uh, not a lot of college students have the, I, I would say a lot have the desire, but maybe not the confidence or the ability to take the first step without even knowing what they're doing, you know? So it's like, yeah. 
you started you know, screen printing and then you're like, oh, these are cool. Oh, I wonder if a store will buy them. Oh, I'm just going to go ask. Oh, they said yes. Oh, they said no. I'm going to ask another and another. And, another. <laughs> and so yeah. but that's what entrepreneurship is. It's literally just putting one step in front of the other because usually you're doing something that no one else has done before. I mean, your art is your art and how yeah. you display it is unique to how someone else would display theirs. So, right. you know, that's really inspiring as well. And so you you develop this large business of wholesale, of, you know, these wholesale yeah. accounts. Was it stressful? Because you didn't carry it on. You know, you decided <laughs> to kind of pivot, you know, on the positive side, yay, you got all these accounts. But what were some of the negatives and then what made you choose not to continue to just grow that in from 300 to 3000 stores? Yeah. Wow. That brings back a lot of memories. Like I think if I pick up where I left off, I, I would just felt this rush by getting into a bunch of local stores. Mm. And um, I actually applied to a website back in the day. It was called karmaloop.com. Oh, it was yeah. a very popular, yeah, very yeah. popular men's streetwear that also developed into women's streetwear. They no longer exist. But um, at one point, you know, Karma Loop was accepting men's streetwear brands and they only accepted 1% of the applicants. And for some reason that really was like a huge goal for me because there was a couple other local brands in Jacksonville, St. Augustine. I'll go ahead and name drop because I, I was inspired. They're great people and I still follow them to this day, like 8103 clothing, Bean Dip clothing, Paper Root, all these underground brands were on Karma Loop. And being surrounded by them and feeling like I had this talent, I had to like get on there too to prove myself. And once I actually got on the Karma Loop and had a couple local retailers, it kind of just became this waterfall effect where I was able to use that as a backbone and I could start approaching other retailers. And once you get onto Karma Loop, you're, you're accepted as a one percenter at that point. And that's not mm. just in the US, that was all over the world. So being 1% of an applicant, and I didn't get accepted the first time, I got denied three times. Mm. I was accepted on my fourth, and I got goosebumps thinking about it, because it's like I remember that feeling of just conquering, never giving up on something at that point was like a dream for me. And mm. so it was just very uh, fulfilling at that point. And, and that was, I would say, like two or three years into my streetwear career. And so once I got to the three to 400, you know, 300 or so stores, I graduated, I purchased a silk screening company. And at that point I inquired employees. <laughs> so ah. <laughs> you lose, you lose a little bit of quality control cause you're not the one printing all these shirts. Right. I'm also not the type I'm, I'm very good at working with people. I don't enjoy telling people what to do. I don't, I don't mm. like, I don't like to control that. I, I become friends with my employees more than they see me as a boss. And yeah. so, although I really loved the way that the business was running, it also was kind of taking a toll on me and my mom. And she was my, mm. she's, she's always been my bookkeeper. She's my accountant. She still is to this day. I don't trust anybody but her. But during mm. that time, we were really butting heads. It was very, it was a very strong sense of just feeling like I was a little misunderstood, but really it's, it was her trying to guide me to do things the right way in a business manner. But we, we both kind of grew, clearly we grew up in a different era and right, she's very right. by, by the, she's very by the books. 
She's very mm-hmm. good at what she does. I'm very free for I'm very free flowing. I don't really, you know, I just want things to be cool and like I enjoy seeing the process. But I think what really started to get at me was not only was it tearing apart my relationship with my mom, but it was tearing apart my feelings for my creative side because of my employees. Not that they were bad or right, anything, right. but it's just a different type of artistry when you're running a business as opposed to creating without any type of stress on your shoulder. Like you don't have to support yeah. people, you're not running payroll, you know, you don't have other people's lives at stake. And so I think after six or seven years, I think it just really hit me that I didn't need to have that burden on me. I could do this on my own. I didn't have to have these people's lives at stake. I could really go out and do what I like. And so I made a decision overnight. I think I called my mom and I told her that it just, this wasn't for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember the day my parents were very, I don't even know how to say it. I grow up in a family where you start something, you finish it. So when I build something as big as what I did at the time, that also doesn't necessarily mean you're financially doing incredible. When you take on a lot, you also take on a lot of machines. I had a, you know, a 6,000 square foot warehouse. I I was buying laser machines to cut fabric. I was inventing other products. Mm. I have a couple patents on things that I've created over the years. And as I do these things, I had to inquire machinery, different types of printing equipment to achieve these, this, these different types of um, items I was making over the years. And I just got to a point where I realized that I was just a little bit in over my head when it just came to being who I was. And um, I think I was taking on a little more responsibility than I wanted. So right. out of the blue, I called my mom and I think I talked to her and my dad and as much as they wanted me to continue printing t-shirts to finish what I started, I just had to go against the grain and tell them to trust me that this, Mm. this this will pay off. This is not the end of what it is. You know, really at the end of the day, they had no choice but to bear with me. And luckily with that support, they did. And within a couple years, you know, not only did I sell the business, I moved on, but I also profited in life so much more. I paid back everything I needed to for the business. I've Mm. just really thrived ever since then in a way that I personally Mm. never expected because I always thought I needed employees and all all this. But but yeah, I'm I'm just, I'm grateful for that part of my career because it taught me how to be a businessman in the form of also being an artist. And I know that's something my parents could never understand i'm just like really fortunate to be able to combine those two things and Mm -hmm. so i now i feel like it's my purpose to help other artists understand how to create a business around your natural talent Mm, i love that Mm -hmm. so it sounds like well one kudos to your parents for supporting you out the gate and then continuing to support you when you decided to make this huge pivot and I feel that's so important for our listeners to hear that you had this hugely successful business at a young age and you decided to put the brakes on because it didn't feel right anymore. Mm -hmm. And you had to trust yourself so you could convince your loved ones to trust you. And oftentimes 
I feel a lot of us get caught in a situation, may be successful or not, and don't change or don't pivot because we're afraid of the judgment that one, we're judging ourselves and or two, what those around us would say if we decided to change course or you know, leave whatever we're doing or stop whatever we're doing or pause it or whatever that choice right. is. And I think it's so important to really take those moments to think about the why, like, why are you doing what you're doing? And in, even if it's something that it's making, I've, I've heard so many stories of, from entrepreneurs who were making wild amounts of money and they realized that wasn't enough to keep them on that path. And then they took time to ask, well, there must be more to life than this, than just making money. And why am I here? And what purpose, you know, can I serve? And, and how can I find a way to add value to others over and above what I'm doing for money if they felt that that wasn't valuable enough? And to hear it from you and for you to, you know, share the story at such an early phase in your life, because a lot of times this happens and this realization and reflection comes much later in life for that to happen for you that early success but then a realization during that phase of your life to move on and then now to take the knowledge you have as you shared with us around hey i know how to be a business person and an artist and at the end of the day i'm an artist first and my business supports my art right. as opposed to the other way around yeah. and it could be the other way around for a lot of people but as a creative entrepreneur, which is the audience that I, you know, I'm so passionate about inspiring and empowering, you know, it's so critical to understand what part of your art, how much of that makes up who you are and the value you bring to the world. And how can you support that in as many ways as possible? And then for you, you had someone in your life that you trusted that laser focused on the numbers because you didn't want that to distract you and then when you realize that hey i don't want to manage a lot of people i don't want that extra responsibility and it's okay to not want that i want something else and i'm going to find a way to do this successfully in a way that really makes me happy so thank you for sharing that i feel i call it getting out of our way it's one of those examples of how we can how we can recognize how we could be the very thing that holds us back your success was it could have literally held you back from the true happiness that you have now your early success but you were able to fold that into something else so that was really wonderful so you are on this mission to help other artists other creators accomplish their dreams the magic word is how <laughs> how are you doing this i'm curious i struggle a lot with overthinking and, you know, I think that's a big part of what we do as artists because we're creating something that starts as a thought and then we develop that into a handheld item and then we put it out into the world simply to be judged. And that's a really tough burden when, when you allow outside opinion and outside thoughts to critique you before you even put it out to the world mm -hmm. so what i'm saying is i've seen myself create my entire life put it out there to the world but then the older i get or the older i was getting i started to notice that i would actually start to critique the work before ever creating it because i was starting to prejudge 
what people would think about it before I actually developed it. So I'm going to stop you there. That is a big problem. I do think overthinking goes hand in hand with artists creating their own work, music, mm -hmm. fine art, dance. Yeah, that's a bulldozer. You're like Fashion. in your own way, big time in your own right? way. Right? So yeah. how did you stop the, the prejudging? Because I, I, I'll do that as I'm creating something and goodness <laughs> knows, I was just going through my, um, my file folders of images that I created and it was like 600 and something. And I'm thinking I've only put out maybe six. <laughs> maybe. Okay. To the world. And I'm thinking, why? So how do you do that? You know, for artists, yeah. creatives, anyone that's listening that gets, you know, hung up on this concept of judging their work so critically mm -hmm. that it may freeze them up. How did you deal with that? What is your advice? I think initially for me, it kind of, if I'm being com completely honest and transparent at this point, I started my career at a time where social media became a big part of the forefront. And mm -hmm. so I learned early on, like I was able to early on kind of put my work out. And I was fortunate enough for a lot of people to resonate with the things I've done from t-shirts to canvas to shattered glass and now sculpture. I don't know why or what it is, but I've always had a very good response to my work. And the older I got, the more I started to prejudge that, like I kind of said. And to be quite honest, what helped me get over it was exploring more of who I am as a person and, mm. and trying to understand me and, okay. not, and not so much worry about everybody else. Because what I realized is when I'm my most vulnerable, and I am my most sensitive and I put out things that are most meaningful to me. Those are the, mm. the works of art that get the best response. And a lot of people are afraid to show that vulnerability because they're so worried about what people think. As a man, I probably overstep the boundaries of what is masculine. Sometimes I'm a little too vulnerable, but at the end of the day for me, that's what's most relatable. Okay. So it's really just setting aside what you think you know and just doing what you feel. And so mm -hmm. I just want to put that out to everybody else is I'm paraphrasing here, but there's a quote I had heard at some point where it's, you know, the art is only as good as the work that the human puts in that's creating it. And Ooh. so as deeply as you put into the work as you as a human and you as a person, you know, mentally, that reflects in the artistry that you put out. And my goal is to give the world the art that it deserves. So I love it. the more I work on myself, you and I met through Justin, who's my therapist. And mm. I had been suggested to tap into therapy a couple years ago, honestly, just through relationships. And I never really gave it the credit it deserved. A couple women in my life suggested it. I always kind of like gave it the cold shoulder. But the second I actually tapped in and found somebody like Justin, who I felt comfortable with, um, his approach is much different than a, what I thought was like a white collar therapist where I'd walk <laughs> into a doctor's office and sit down in a chair and, right. you know, they peel me, peel these onion layers apart and make me try to solve traumas. I, I don't feel that as to where Justin helps me with 
ways to expand my creativity, understand mm -hmm. myself a little better so I can solve my own traumas without having to do it like in a hurtful way. And right. ultimately, ultimately, I've seen that resonate into my work and be a lot more real. You know, I'm not, I used right. to make Marilyn Monroe and Jimi Hendrix and James Dean. I, I would only make work that I thought I knew people would buy because it paid my bills. Mm. And although that, has gotten me very far and every once in a while with commission works I still do that you know mm -hmm. I'm still gonna take on commission work but at the end of the day I've gotten to a point where I'm financially good enough to be able to focus on one or two sh like gallery shows a year that are only my original pieces mm. and um, I'm making sure that each piece is a, a part of me that speaks yeah. truth I think the goal for most people, if a, you know, from artist to artist, is that you really just need to start developing an understanding for yourself so that mm -hmm. you can start understanding why you're being called to create. Mm, so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's, so it's, it's, and I have to remind myself of these things. Sometimes we like get lost and. Uh, social media is a very distractive tool that can explode your career or completely demolish how you feel about yourself. It can mm. it can take you down a road that is very just very distracting. And yeah. you know, I had wrote a post the other day how the story of my life is two steps forward, one step back, and none of us are perfect but yeah. the more you continue to to dig deeper and understand who you are you can relay that into your work and ultimately that's ties back into me explaining that you know my work inspires people to feel something and they may not even know what that feeling is but it drives them like it it just forces them into a I need to do something with my life. Ah, so you would say, and thank you for that. I I have a few things I want to touch on, but I want to just clarify. Would you say that your desire and your method of helping other creators and other artists is through your work itself, the actual pieces that you're creating? I'm hoping I get to that point. I think right now I'm in a position where I'm kind of transitioning from student turned teacher. Um, oh. You know, younger in my career, I was very, I don't want to put a label as a loner, but I am very, I'm, I'm very much an individual. I don't need anybody. I don't have to be surrounded by people. I enjoy mm -hmm. people. I enjoy being out and about and like doing my thing, but I, have a very tough time with people getting too close because mm -hmm. I've seen where people will have nothing to do with art and then there's you know this is very selfish part of me early on where I would allow people into my space and then the next day they become an artist and I would have a hard time with that I didn't realize I was inspiring people I felt like I was being copied oh. and so you know now I've learned to accept what inspiration is yeah and now I just have to understand how to juggle that, but everybody's different and, right, right. and people are inspired differently. I just think the goal is to inspire people to find what it is that comes naturally through them. And that way I don't feel like I'm being taken from. And so I just have to be very careful who I allow in my space and right. what, their what their intentions are. But 
I think right now, like I said, that student turned teacher is a little bit of where I'm kind of floating. And I do feel like that is starting to translate into my work to where um, when you see it, you feel something. But to get to that point, I had to get over my selfish insecurities. Got it, got it. I think with all, with all artists, when you see my work or it, let's just speak in generality. When you see an artist's work, that is my first impression. When you see my work, you're you're actually seeing parts of me without meeting me. You, how you do anything is how you do everything. So how I Ooh. create and how I execute tells you a lot about who I am as a person without meeting me. And I feel like I take a lot of pride in that because I meet a lot of people through social media or gallery and I've never met them in person. But I'm still giving them a piece of who I am. And yeah, yeah. sometimes, you know, sometimes you're seeing a part of me that's that vulnerable side I was telling you about. Right. And who knew that you were also a poet? <laughs> I just wanted to. I Did just I start writing? <laughs> well, I'm okay. One of the things you said, each piece is a part of me that speaks truth. Mm-hmm. And we have to really understand why we're being called to create i want to give the world the art that it deserves so just beautiful really profound statements so yeah i'm gonna call you a poet as well claim that title run with it do what you want with it (laughs) so teacher student turns teacher are you actively teaching no i don't i i have a i have a lot of people who ask me to do classes and um, tutorials and i i don't feel that you can teach it has to breathe through you. I don't, I don't, I just have never had somebody stop and teach me anything. Mm. So I, a part of me doesn't want to do that for anybody. It's in a way, it's like a very, it's a tough love. I have mentors, a buddy of mine, Chris Maslow, literally is like a brother to me. You know, I've always looked up to him. And when I first got out of college and I wanted to turn, go from um, streetwear clothing to actual artist, I could tell I, I had some skill in there and I, and I was doing well. And my buddy Chris was very well known, has, is, is very established. And I remember wanting to collaborate with him very early on. And he ex- explained to me, he said, no, nah, man, like, I respect you. I like what you're doing, but you need to pay your dues. You need to put the time in. And once you, once you do that, we can talk. And it probably five, six years later down the road. And then we, we just had built this relationship over time and he became a mentor from far. And you know, I never really bugged him too much. We just remained friends, supported each other. You know, shout out to Chris for for holding me accountable and not just handing me an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because once him and I actually collaborated, we created one of the most incredible pieces I've ever made. I, I will not sell it. It's in my wow. studio. But we ended up we, we ended up um, developing a collection, and, and we sold every piece except for the one that I kept. And um, we're actually about to collaborate again on a couple sculptures. So really what it came down to is just not being handed anything and being forced to teach myself. And um, the only true teacher is experience. He could have given me all the knowledge and all the the shortcuts. I I would have never executed the way he Mm -hmm. did. And uh, I still never will, but yeah, it was just a matter of taking on this path 
alone. I think I'm still overcoming that, just that part of me that is afraid to coach somebody too closely. Well, I think you're doing a, a great job coaching right now. So if anyone's listening to this interview, they're being coached throughout. You're giving such incredible <laughs> advice and wisdom. So just know that. And I also think that the technique in terms of the art as one thing, but then the information you're sharing around how to protect your well-being, how to recognize if something is still in line with what makes you happy, you know, how you can grow as an entrepreneur, how you can expand as an artist. You've mentioned so many things that you've done and tried and experienced, you know, you have your individuals that are in your corner, your parents that are giving you advice that are hands-on in your business, you know, but the takeaway there is surround yourself with people you absolutely trust. And as an artist, Mm -hmm. you may not have the time or the interest to pay attention to the numbers, but if you have someone that you trust doing it, that does it very well, then you're going to be securing your future financially. You also shared a very important component about mental health and how we really need to recognize and pay attention to when others are saying either yourself, you're telling yourself, hey, I need someone to talk to. I need someone to help guide me, someone to help me grow or expand as an individual. I love that word that you used before, so I'm going to keep using it. And you took the advice of those close to you and you decided to seek someone that can give you that support that you need on the mental health well-being side, the spiritual side, non-physical side of what you do. And you found a really good fit that has helped you grow as an artist, which is ultimately helping you grow as an entrepreneur, creative entrepreneur and a business person. I mean, to be able to share to so many artists around the world that you're financially successful, you're in at least two gallery shows a year, you are surrounded by people who you trust, you have mentors in your life that you had mentioned to you. So if I was listening for the first time, I'd be like, oh, find a mentor that really is pushing me to grow and, and step into an uncomfortable zone. So I can be better for it in the long run. So there were so many things. So I'm going to challenge you there. I think you are teaching. You may not have claimed the title. Like I said, I just threw the title poet at you a few minutes ago. (laughs) Just saying (laughs) you're doing it, that you're doing it in a very organic way, but you've set your intention to help inspire others and you're, you're doing it. Um, And just by being, just by creating your art, just by speaking, uh, you're doing it. So I just wanted to say that. We're running close to time. I do want to get to the third part of our show where I give you the mic and you play host and you can ask me whatever question you want. One thing that really stood out about you and I when we had first spoke on the phone Mm -hmm. was how our words are our power. Mm. I remember Justin introducing Mm -hmm. us and you were very busy that day (laughs) and I didn't want to take up your time, but I did want you to see what I was working with. And I didn't want you to just think Justin was introducing me to you to see what would happen. So I remember you were busy and you wanted to get with me in a week. And in the meantime, I had sent you my portfolio and you called me an hour later. At first you were like, hey, let's talk next week. (laughs) But after you saw my work, I was just blown away at the fact that you stopped and took the time to call me and not only call me, but you spent, we spent over an hour on the phone. 
And the one thing that you helped me with and what I want to put back out there is my, my nickname, The Unsigned Artist. You had asked me about that and it was this persona that I had created on Instagram 10 years ago, you know, and it's just a small chapter. I've since turned that into, you know, an apparel line mm. now where I just call it Unsigned. Mm, I love it. And so that is still a part of my life, but I now go by Jay Bonadio. And you would ex the reason why I had did that is you would explain to me that if I was gonna remain in this, like, I don't wanna say unrecognized, like I, I feel like a lot of us artists, we tend to put in a lot of work and then maybe feel like we don't get the recognition we deserve. I had explained that to you and you had gone on this explanation to me about how our words are our power and the fact that I was calling myself the unsigned artist, I was almost speaking it into existence. And I have goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps too. You, <laughs> what did I do? you resonated with me. We had never met, we had talked, and I remember calling Justin and I said, bro, like, I think this is the end of an era and I need to just enter the world, re-enter the world as, as myself and stop putting on this face. And first I want to thank you because I did it the same day. I didn't think about it. <laughs> I just felt like it needed to be done. And it was something that I had already known, but you had given me this confirmation and it came from an outside source. And I just, I not only want to say thank you, but I want to, I want you to speak on just how powerful our words are and how we really do speak our future into existence. And thank you for helping me realize that I'm Jay Bonadio and I'm proud of that. And that's what I want the world to remember me as. Oh, I am like covered with goosebumps right now. And I'm so, <laughs> I'm so grateful that you shared what happened after the phone call. <laughs> nah. And when I saw your work, Something just told me like he is so talented and you know you reached out to me and I wanted to give you that time and it just it was just it was in me to call you now and you know when you just get that feeling where you don't question it you just obey and that's what I did and I was so grateful because I do remember the conversation I was so full from talking and I literally remember walking into the we were I don't remember where I started the conversation but throughout that call I took an uber ride I was walking. I remember you like you were literally getting on stage to speak and you're like hey I hate to do this but like I gotta go I'm about to be on stage I'm like oh my god but yeah you took the time out of your day and how busy you are and everything but um it was just the most powerful coming from someone that I, I just have never met and being spoken to with honesty, with no judgment, it really changed my path. Mm. And um, yeah, the unsigned artist no longer exists. Man, like I said, you've been dropping so many nuggets of, of wisdom. <laughs> it continues. So in terms of the question around the power of words, I think when I was younger, I didn't I kind of operated from this place of knowing. If I wanted something, it would just happen. If I set my mind to something, if I could see it. So if I wanted to make the track team, then I it happened. Like I just did what I needed to do. I saw the goal and I took the steps to get it. And it wasn't, oh, could this happen? 
Am I fast enough to make the track team? Uh, will the coach like me? It was none of those things. It was just, boom, this is what I want. And then, and it would happen. And I also remember I would write things down that I wanted to happen. And again, this was just instinctive. It wasn't anything anyone told me to do. And I just knew, oh, this is, these are my goals. Boom, 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 boom. And again, they would happen in line with, and it was just like, oh. And then as time went on and life went on and I stopped stepping into that space of knowing and I would, as you mentioned, overthink and I would self-judge and I would doubt or I would move from a place of fear, whatever it is, things were less consistent. The things that would happen were less consistent. There were more disappointments, but I, I didn't know why. And so I figured it out and said, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't necessarily know what I was doing when I was younger, but I could look back and say, okay, this is what I did. And here's the change when I wasn't doing that. And so now I can use these little tools, I call them tools, to be intentional about what I do, whom around, what I say, how I do it. And I'm not perfect. Like life happens and we get into our routines and reality, you know, tricks us a lot. Like what's in front of us tricks us a lot in terms of how we make our decisions. But one thing I try to really be conscious about are the words that I'm saying to myself in my head, because we do more self-talk than we do when we're speaking to others. And then the words that I'm writing down and the words that I'm saying, because all of that reflects how we feel inside. And that feeling inside translates into the physical representation of that feeling. And so let's just say, for example, I get up, it's a sunny day. I feel great because I love the sunshine. I feed off the sunshine. And I'm like, oh, it's a beautiful day. Oh, and guess what? There's a bonus. There's an ocean view. I'm a water girl, (laughs) island girl through and through. There's an ocean view. And I start my day by running on the beach and life is great. There's no surprise that the rest of that day goes fantastic. If we realize that we are going back to our whole, you know, our comments about getting in our own way, getting out of our own way. If we realize that we can get out of our own way. And one of the ways to do that is just really, really pay attention to the words that we're using and saying. So you had shared with me your goals of being in galleries, of being appreciated for your work, of being paid what you're worth, but yet you're still unsigned. After all this time, you're still unsigned. But what you sent to me was in big, bold black letters, the unsigned artist. And what I saw in your portfolio was titled the unsigned artist. And so you're telling me what your reality is and you're perpetuating this reality just through your brand name. So that little switch also switches the mental vision in our mind. So now it's no longer the unsigned artist. You said that so proudly. I am Jay, I'm Jay Bonadio. And you said that with just like, yes, like I deserve to be here. I deserve a place at the table. I want to be seen. I'm ready to be seen. Yeah, and I'm like beyond grateful because it makes me want to take back a part of my life that I had actually even had control over and I was going against the grain at my own will. And I heard something the other day that was saying that um, manifesting only works with the things that you can physically control. Like you can't manifest the lottery, 
right? <laughs> but everything you're discussing, you can manifest waking, you know, a, a wake up, a run on the yeah. beach. You're setting yourself up for success by doing that. You can manifest in the physical present moment. Like manifesting is what you can physically as a human, as an individual, what you can control. And so as long as these things that you're writing down, as long as these goals that you're having are, in my opinion, obtainable, like actually possible for you as a person, then manifesting them is a part of what you should be doing every so day. So I'm going to catch you there. I'm just going to jump in. Okay. So going back to an earlier comment about overthinking and self-judging. So for depending on where you are in your life, you may not think many things are possible for you. So I challenge that. I say, write down whatever you want. And if it feels good, keep it on that paper. And if it doesn't, scratch it off. And focus on what feels good first, because those feel good things are going to bring you more things that feel good. And as you accomplish the little things, you're going to get bolder and bolder to accomplish the big things. So it's okay to imagine, I want to go to the moon, or I want to be the first person in the hotel that's on Mars. And you may not know anyone at SpaceX, but that's what you want. And that's okay. And then your friends are like, you're crazy. You can control yeah. what you're thinking. You can control what you're writing and you can control what you're speaking. At least most of us can. To your point, do what you can control and you can control all those things. If I went and told someone a story of a young man that went from zero to 300 stores while in college, half people would say, you're crazy. That's not possible. And so you actually accomplished the impossible at one point in your life. For some, that would be impossible to them. So I also just wanted to point that out. <laughs> thank you. No, I, it means a lot. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. So no, thank you. Thank you. With your recommendation, I just had to put a stop to it. And that's what I hope a lot of people can take from this is that you should never be afraid to reinvent yourself immediately. Ooh, write that down, everyone. Please, please do that again. Never be afraid to reinvent who you are immediately. I just created a sculpture. I'm still trying to decide what to name it, but it's a sculpture of a female and her face is splitting where one half of her face is looking towards the past and one half of her face is looking towards the future. And the middle where it's split open is a skull, almost like you can see inside of the split happening. And the piece represents being able to shed unwanted layers of who you are and become brand mm. new. So being able to do that and identify a part of who you are in the moment of realizing this isn't who I am anymore or, or the growth that I've inquired has taken me past who you think you are. My good friend Danielle had told me this quote is, uh, I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am, or I think I am who you think I am. And it's really just projecting on overthinking about what other people think about you. So I wanted to create a sculpture that represented being able to shed these unwanted layers of who you think you are and just become brand new right now. Mm. Thank you. Oh. Woo, explanation point, mic drop, let's go. Thank you so much, Jay. This was wonderful. 
Thank you so much for all that you shared. And you had said this a couple times in our conversation about being vulnerable. Thank you for being vulnerable with us, with the listeners. And I am so excited for them to see your art. Please share with them how they can find you, follow you, and continue to support you. Absolutely, yes. Um, my Instagram is j j a y dot bonadio b o n a d i o. I am no longer the unsigned artist. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me on Instagram, where you can see my daily portfolio of what I'm creating. I am also because of the name change, changing my website to jbonadio.com. Nice. And that will be actually active today. So oh, look really at that. Great. <laughs> yeah, really grateful for you it, it, um, and everything that you implemented in our conversation to help me, you know, make this next chapter of my life something more meaningful. So yeah, you can find me on Instagram. You can find my work on my website. And throughout that, you'll be able to keep up with my day to day and see when my gallery showings will be. My next solo show will be in June of this year in Orlando. And I'm really excited to publicly release two of my first sculptures I've ever done, created from scratch. And I'll be showcasing my Neo Mosaic art along with a new form of art I'm starting that's called encapsuling, mm. where you take physical items and you encapsule them into resin and make kind of like clear sculptures. Mm, beautiful. With resin, where the actual sculpture is encased in resin like a block yeah Ooh. so yeah looking forward to showing you know like i said earlier giving the world the art it deserves yeah. and uh, each piece that i put out is going to be an original that is it has it speaks truth yes i love that and and please don't forget to send me an invite to the june show 100 and Mark your calendars, guys. If you need an excuse to go to Orlando, I never need an excuse to go to Orlando, but if you do, Jay's having a show in June. You, you don't want to miss that. And jaybonadio.com and jaybonadio on Instagram, right? Yep, you got it. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jay. I really, really appreciate you and I love everything that you've shared with us today. And congratulations on all your success. I'm definitely going to follow up. I have some like questions I want to ask you. I'll do that offline. I, I really appreciate you and thank you again. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us for a very, very special episode of Unleash Your Supernova with super artist Jay Bonadio. And if you have not yet gotten the book, Unleash Your Supernova, what are you waiting for? You can find it at all your favorite bookstores and online, including on Amazon.com. So go ahead and get the book so you can learn how to unleash your supernova. It is a guide to help you survive this crazy, crazy, Jay can speak on this, crazy journey, marathon, roller coaster ride of creative entrepreneurship. Again, I am your host, Nova Lorraine, and until next time, ciao.